you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And, well, it was an up and down week in fantasy football on Sunday. We are here to dig through as much of it as we possibly can. It will be a very interesting week on the waiver wire. We will certainly dig into that. We'll talk about some guys who... Uh, have sort of been up and down the first couple of weeks of the season. We will figure out which one is the real performance. Plus, we'll give you a quick look at Monday Night Football. But before we do all of that, let's talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. And uh, Murph, we'll get into it a little bit later on the show. I know it was a, a rough day on the field for Big Blue, but uh, you got out to see the Big Blue Sky. You were uh, over at one of our favorite local hangouts, Big Dean's. That, that at least had to sort of help soften the mood for you. Yeah, it uh, wasn't a great weekend overall, but uh, that Saturday um, was was really good. I got to go see uh, my Irish speed up on uh, South Florida, so that was nice. And they do a really good job there at Dean, so I wanted to help them as much as I possibly could. And I'm stuck in the house, you know, six out of the seven days of the week, so I wanted to get outside. And the, all the smoke from the, uh, the fires is uh, kind of slowly leaving here, especially over by the water where Dean's is. So it was nice to actually see the blue sky and it was a really, really nice day. So it was uh, it was cool to get out of the house and uh, to help out a, a local place that I know uh, me, you, Hythe, and a bunch of other people at NFL uh, love, uh, love to go over there. Yeah, no doubt. It is a, a great way to spend an afternoon if you were ever in the LA area, and especially during the summer in normal times. Uh, I highly mm -hmm. recommend you check it out. And uh, yeah, uh, by the way, that is a good note. By the way. I know for everybody, it is a rough time for as much as you can help out local businesses. Uh, please certainly do that. Uh, it is Monday, which means we are joined by the one and only Kimmy Checks to run down what has been uh, a very head scratching and sometimes frustrating week in fantasy football. Uh, Kimmy, through not quite two weeks, uh, how are we feeling about our fantasy lineups? You know, it's like we started on such a high, football was back, and then yesterday happened. And we were reminded that football is an incredibly brutal and a physical sport. Uh, but I just want to remind people, you know, obviously when we watch games, we're always on Twitter. Remember, we play a game within a game. These are these guys' bodies that are on the line. So I just want to lift up everyone in good spirits and hope that these guys come back strong uh, after their injuries. But it was, it was a tough one. I'm already scrambling on the waiver wire, like you mentioned, that we're going to get into later, trying to figure out what I do with my squad with such, you know, big name players being injured. Yeah, no doubt about it. So let's just jump into it right there. Uh, the the couple of two of the biggest names in fantasy football uh, dealt with injuries on Sunday. The big one news just coming down not that long ago. Uh, Saquon Barkley is officially out for the year with a torn ACL. That happened during the Giants loss on Sunday to the Chicago Bears. Then also news on Monday morning that Christian McCaffrey uh, is going to be out four to six weeks. That is according to our own Ian Rappaport as he is dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, here it is, you're talking about McCaffrey and Barkley, generally the top two picks in most fantasy leagues. That was kind of the consensus this year and now they are both gone for extended periods of time. That was those are two of just a slew of injuries, a number of players across the NFL suffering injuries on both the offensive and defensive sides of the football in week two. And so, Kimmy, uh, I mean, I would think that you are not alone. You talk about having to scramble through your lineups. This is going to cause major ripple effects across fantasy football in the next couple of weeks. Right, so this is why it's incredibly important that people utilize the waiver wire. I used to be a fantasy manager that really didn't use a waiver wire as much as possible. I always had the mindset, I'm going to win my league in my draft 
that is not true. So if you're one of those people, do not uh, do that. Learn from my mistake and really realize that there are some waiver wire targets that we're going to get into later that could actually make an impact. If you want to talk about Saquon Barkley, we need to look at Deion Lewis and Wayne Gallman. However, the New York football giants, they have a really tough schedule. So those are guys that you kind of want to temper your expectations on. But a guy like James Robinson, who is an undrafted free agent, he plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's not owned in a lot of leagues. That's another guy that you should look to pick up. So I know we're going to kind of get into it a little bit later, but just realize you need to go to the waiver wire and really be intentional about the guys you're grabbing and who you are putting into your lineup. Yep, absolutely. I always say that you know, draft, having a great draft is certainly fundamental, but it is not necessarily the thing that is going to win you your fantasy league. And what we saw yesterday uh, is very much indicative of that. All right, flipping over to some better news. For the second week in a row, the Seahawks decided to let Russ cook. Russell Wilson, a fantastic game in Seattle's win over New England and what was a great game to watch on Sunday Night Football. Five touchdown passes, 30-plus fantasy points for the second straight week. We are certainly loving this because this is what we've been asking for in fantasy for a couple of years now, and it seems as though the Seahawks have finally listened. So how long do you think Russ can keep this going? I think Russ can do this all season long. One, Russell Wilson should obviously be a starting fantasy quarterback. Everyone should know that. And if not, just look at yesterday's performance and that win over the Patriots. But you also have to look at his offense. Now, I know that there was some concern over their secondary on the defensive side of the ball, but they also held the Patriots down and they did end up getting that win. Russell Wilson has those offensive weapons and those players who can make a difference. You know, with Pete Carroll being the head coach, he is incredibly smart and tactile with those offensive play calls. So Russell Wilson, this should be a dynamic season, maybe an MVP season if we want to look that far ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly in the cards after a couple of weeks. And before Monday Night Football has been played, Russell Wilson is your number one overall scoring quarterback in fantasy football. And I think you're right. I think they have decided they are going to let Mr. Unlimited actually be <laughs> unlimited this year, uh, which you love to see it. Uh, it has been a good thing so far for his wide receivers. I mean, he threw five touchdown passes to five different players yesterday, uh, including Chris Carson, who's catching the football now in Seattle. So that's something definitely to pay attention to with that offense. Uh, speaking of running backs, Aaron Jones has just laughed at our talk of regression. That was the buzzword around him coming into the season. There's no way he could score 19 touchdowns again. He's going to regress. Don't pay a high draft price for him through two games. He's got four touchdowns. He had three on Sunday. He had uh, over 40 fantasy points. So tell me again, why can't he repeat his touchdown numbers from last year? Oh, no, he absolutely can. And again, I feel like the Packers, if you look at Aaron Rodgers and now Aaron Jones, the, the Aarons are like, guys, hold my beer. Shut up. Let me show you why I am elite. He was the highest scoring player on Sunday, 45.6 fantasy points, despite just playing on 48% of the team's offensive snaps and just seeing 52% of the team's carries. Not only did he run the ball, but he also caught the ball. He did a ton of damage as a receiver, four catches for 68 yards and a touchdown. Guys, if Devontae Adams, who left the game with a hamstring injury, if he sees more time out, Aaron Jones' stock is going to continue to rise. There is no regression here. So let's just completely get that out of our brains. Again, I understand that it's week two, so we still do have a small sample size. But Aaron Jones, get him into your lineup. He is going to be an RB1. What I have learned through two games is that you don't antagonize Packers named Aaron, right? <laughs> that they went out, the Packers went out and drafted Aaron Rodgers' supposed replacement in Jordan Love. He got a little bit salty and had a huge week one. Uh, the Packers went out and drafted Aaron Jones' supposed replacement in A.J. Dillon. He looks kind of salty and he's scoring touchdowns now. So, uh, I mean, look, it's working out for us in fantasy, but maybe if you're Green Bay, don't, don't antagonize these guys. Just, you know, trust them <laughs> to do their jobs there. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, look, it's been great. And right now, I think regardless of what happens down the road, you just keep riding it because uh, Aaron Jones is producing and he's producing without necessarily dominating these snaps. I mean, we're still seeing Jamal Williams get on the field. We're still seeing these guys uh, sort of rotate through there. So just imagine if they ever decided to make him a true workhorse bell cow back what he could do. But in the meantime, uh, hey, look, just just take the, the production and run with it and be happy that, that you're getting it right now. Uh, down in Duval, Minshew Mania is back in our lives. I was, I admit, I was sort of skeptical. I didn't know what Gardner Minshew had in store for us, but through the first two weeks, it's been pretty solid. 339 passing yards, three touchdown passes for the second straight week there. So should we start buying into the frisky Jaguars down there? 
I mean, I'm just an impulsive person in general. So I woke up this morning. I had Daniel Jones starting at quarterback in one league with the news of Saquon Barkley being ruled out for the rest of the season. Those numbers look even worse for Daniel Jones. I dropped him. was like, I am grabbing Gardner Minshew. I think there was a lot of doubt, right? Because last season there was a conversation. Is he a true QB1? He's gone out and showed us that he has. Now he's thrown for six touchdown passes and 512 passing yards over the first two weeks. The second-year quarterback is worth grabbing, I think, in my opinion, in a lot of 12 and 14 team fantasy leagues. And he has a great matchup next week against the Miami Dolphins. I am fully into the Minshew mania train, the mustache train, all of the trains that have to do uh, with, with Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars. There was some question over that offense, right? They got rid of Leonard Fournette. There were a lot of changes in the offseason and some questions about how good they could actually be. I think with the leadership that Gardner Minshew is showing, he is fantasy relevant and he also can lead a football team. I, I never thought that I would be excited about a Jacksonville football team, but I find myself kind of rooting for them in the underdog picture. <laughs> I know they're, they're, they're frisky. They are a lot of fun to watch. Jay Gruden has come in as the offensive coordinator, done a very great job with his pieces through the first couple of weeks. Gardner Minshew, now pending what happens on Monday night, he will have had two top 12 quarterback finishes in the first two weeks, still available in about two thirds of NFL.com fantasy leagues. Throw in the fact that over the next couple of weeks, the schedule is very favorable. The next two games are against Miami and Cincinnati. He's got Detroit just a few weeks down the line. So if nothing else, he should be on rosters as a streaming option for you. So I'm starting to buy in. You mentioned James Robinson a little bit earlier in the show. We're seeing Keelan Cole and LaVisca Chenault sort of see their opportunities go up by the week. So there's a lot to sort of be curious and intrigued about with this Jacksonville offense. And I'm totally with you. I am buying in on this Minshew mania that's going on down there in Jacksonville. So here's a chance for you, Kimmy, to take a little bit of a victory lap because on our Sunday show, you were huge on Josh Allen talking about how he was going to go out and smash uh, on Sunday. And he absolutely did that 417 passing yards, four touchdowns. This is a guy who did not have a single 300 yard passing game all season. He's done it in back to back weeks. Stefan Diggs, eight catches, a buck 53. He had a touchdown as well. So how much should we be buying into Buffalo's passing game right now? Well, first, just let's just pause. I'm going to turn and just pat myself on the back. <laughs> you, uh, you, you, I, you it, I, said, I said that this was going to be one of the most dynamic wider and quarterback stacks, right? We had our stack on stack segment on Fantasy Live. And then you're right. On Sunday, I said, guys, make sure that you have these two guys starting and into your lineups. And then they went on to deliver. I think, you know, when we talk about fantasy football, we talk about stacks. We think of the Drew Brees and the Michael Thomas-like situation, right? We think of now, we think of DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. I also think we need to now rope Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs into that conversation. Now, there was always some concern around Josh Allen because he struggled with the deep ball, right? That was something that even in the preseason, we were kind of debating, is this actually a relevant you know, team for Stefan Diggs to shine. He, he was coming from the Vikings where Kirk Cousin is arguably one of the best deep ball passers. Josh Allen didn't historically do that. However, I don't know what happened during the preseason, what happened during training camp, but it seems like they really have built an incredible rapport with one another. The Buffalo Bills are always a team that are a contender, right? Like they're always like on the cusp of being incredible and, and going to the playoffs and having a run. I think with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen now together in that stack, you need to get them into their lineups. Again, a pat on the back for myself because I called it. <laughs> Listen to me, do it. I'm psychic. I have all the spidey senses, uh, but more so than anything, I'm excited for Stefan Diggs. I, I've always loved him as a wide receiver. He's always been an incredible player. I was so concerned about him joining that team. But again, he said, don't worry about it. Let us let us ball out and shine. <laughs> I will tell you what, I think looking at what Buffalo's done and looking at what Minnesota has done offensively, it looks through two weeks like the Vikings need Stefan Diggs a whole lot more than Stefan Diggs needs the Vikings. And this is going to be a very interesting offense to watch throughout the season. Part of it is they're running a lot more four wide receiver sets, which is not something we have seen from the Buffalo offense. But you've got Stefan Diggs out there. You've got John Brown. They're your top two guys. And they're just letting Josh Allen go back and sling it. And maybe in some sort of weird freaky Friday-like occurrence, uh, Kirk Cousins and Josh Allen have switched powers or something. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> things are working out well now in Buffalo. And we love Josh Allen because of his running ability and his opportunities to score touchdowns. But if he's going to stand back there and sling the rock and get you 300, 400 passing yards every week, look, I know it's not going to happen every week. But the point is, if he's going to stand back there and be a lot more efficient and effective as a passer, 
uh, then I think we really got to start thinking about moving Josh Allen up our draft boards in future seasons because this is a guy that when everything comes together maybe has some some top five potential the other thing i'm taking away from what kimmy said is it's a reminder to make sure you check out fantasy game day uh, streaming live on nfl.com in the nfl fantasy app and on youtube at nfl.com fantasy football we have all sorts of goodness we start at noon eastern we take you right up to kickoff of the early game so if you haven't checked this out What's wrong? Come join us. We'll be here again next Sunday. In the meantime, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It's time for Performance Ready, presented by Castrol Edge. It brings us to Checks Marks the Spot, where every week Kimmy highlights three players and something they did on Sunday, and maybe what this means for their fantasy value. So I got three names and three guys who either did something really good or did something maybe surprisingly bad. And so I'm going to ask you whether you believe it or not, whether or not this is what we should expect from some of these guys all season long. So we'll start down in Tampa with Leonard Fournette. Over 100 rushing yards, a pair of touchdowns, and at least for the time being, it looks like he may have taken that lead job away from Ronald Jones in the Buccaneers offense. So with what you saw from Uncle Lenny on Sunday, do you believe it or not? I believe it, but I also believe that Rojo is still relevant too, right? Like there could be two running backs in that offense, especially one that's being run by Tom Brady. But if we want to take a look now at Leonard Fournette, now he took the ball with the Tampa Bay looking to run out the clock. They were up 24 to 17 over Carolina. He got a hole up front and he proceeded to burst up the field. He had 46 yards to the end zone for a touchdown that secured that win uh, over Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers. But his long run really highlighted his best performance yet with his new team as he carried the ball 12 times for 103 yards and two touchdowns while also getting in the in the passing game. He caught four passes for 13 yards. This is the Leonard Fournette that we were also excited about and also kind of threatened by us Rojo fantasy managers. I believe that he is going to be relevant, right? Like he is a veteran running back. He's playing for a veteran Tom Brady. Tom Brady needs those offensive weapons. He's going to want to give the ball and have him plug and go because there's always been some concern. Does Tom Brady still have that rocket arm? What's the answer to not having a rocket arm, even though he does? It's Leonard Fournette. I believe it, but I still do believe that Ronald Jones is relevant. So temper the expectation for the two guys. I think we can have a game where we saw Leonard Fournette go and shine, have one week where he's the star, have another week where Ronald Jones is the star. Regardless, they're both fantasy relevant. Yeah, I mean, what happened yesterday that after Rojo fumbled in that game, we saw a lot more Fournette and maybe the, the slate gets wiped clean at the end of the week. And so we'll see next week uh, how things work out in that backfield. But certainly on Sunday, it was all about Leonard Fournette. Uh, Carson Wentz has not shown out very well the first two weeks of the season. Just 13 fantasy points in week one, just over 12 in week two. Right now, he enters Monday morning as the QB 23 overall. So is this Carson Wentz's lot in life? Do you believe it or not? You know, sadly, I believe that Carson Wentz, this is this is the future for him, right? He completed 26 of 43 pass attempts for 242 yards and two interceptions and their loss to the Rams uh, on Sunday. But after being sacked eight times in week one, his offensive line gave up no sacks to Aaron Donald and company, which is insane because it's Errol Donald. However, Wentz was completely unable to get anything going on his side of the ball. I think that they've been riddled with injuries. That's kind of a reoccurring theme that we've seen the last two seasons with the Eagles. But I sadly feel like Carson Wentz just does not have the gameplay and the game script to be fantasy relevant. I hate to say it. I think he's a great guy. Uh, but I just, I feel like this is his future. This is a believe it. He's not that great. Yeah, that's frustrating for me because I went into this season thinking he had sleeper potential. And, and maybe he turns things around, but the first two weeks have not been very encouraging. And I know there are a lot of questions being asked in Philadelphia about how this is going to go. And they're going to have to fix some things really quick because the Eagles have not gotten off to a good start. Uh, James Robinson is a name that just keeps popping up on this show. Keeps popping up in fantasy football. He had 100 rushing yards on Sunday for the Jaguars. Also found the end zone. And we talked about this Jaguars offense sort of being feisty right now and kind of fun to watch. So through a couple of weeks with what you've seen from James Robinson, do you believe it or not? 
I believe it. I was really hype about James Robinson even ahead of week one. I said, guys, he's on the waiver wire. Like, he's not owned in 99% of NFL.com leagues. Go get him. And then people have listened, but you need to keep listening. Uh, something that I want to highlight with not only James Robinson, but DJ Chark. DJ Chark went and said to the media, he said that with Robinson, it's forcing defenses to concentrate on him, which loosens up the passing game. So if we talk about the Minshew mania and being really excited about this offense, now they have a few different weapons that defenses really need to get their head around. So I'm excited for James Robinson. And it's always fun when you see an undrafted free agent go out and completely shine and kind of put any doubt and any haters to rest. Yeah, we didn't think that sort of thing would happen in 2020 with the lack of training camp and that sort of thing. But James Robinson has found an opportunity. And through the first two weeks of the season, he has taken advantage of it. So that'll be fun to keep an eye on as things go along there. There you go. Uh, by the way, you can go. Kimmy will put the poll out on her Twitter page to figure out which one of these week two performances was the most believable. So you can go and find that on her Twitter page at Kimmy Checks. Vote. Uh, and let us know which one of these guys in week two you think has the best chance to sustain this all throughout the season. And that was Performance Ready, presented by Castrol Edge. So, long time ago, long, long time ago, there was a game show called To Tell the Truth, where somebody would sort of, it was almost like two truths and a lie, right? And you'd have to figure out whether or not this person was who they said they were. At the end, they would ask, will the real blank stand up? Uh, and a panel of judges, usually you know, B-list celebrities, would try and figure out what the right <laughs> answer was. So uh, we've got our, we're A-list celebrities on this show. Screw that. I'm Obviously. not, uh, I'm, Obviously. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> right, I'm not going to chop us down on this show. Uh, but I got four guys on this list who one week they were great, one week they were not so great. And so we're going to play a little bit of to tell the fantasy truth and try to figure out which version is the real version. So let's start in Los Angeles with Tyler Higby, the Rams tight end who a lot of people loved coming into this offseason. Week one, meh, just got you seven fantasy points. In week two, 28.4, he had three touchdown catches. So, Kimmy, who is the real Tyler Higby? The real Tyler Higby is... Da -da 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 -da. He's a tight end one. We were so excited about him in the offseason, and we should be. I think that week one performance, we got a little bit worried, but again, that's why we have overreaction theater. We needed to, we needed to go ahead and sit down, take a deep breath, and have a seat. But guys, he completely shined in this week two win, right, versus the Eagles. He should be on the tight end one radar. And their next matchup is against the Buffalo Bills, and they just gave up. They just got burned by Mike Gusecki, right? So he had eight receptions, 130 yards, and a touchdown. Tyler Higby is fantasy relevant. We, you know, I'm so glad that we do have overreaction theater and we can check ourselves <laughs> and realize we've made a mistake. But this is exciting. He is easily becoming one of Jared Goff's favorite, you know, passers. And uh, I don't know. I think there's, there's good things in store for Tyler Higby. Yeah, no, I definitely think he's closer to the week two Tyler Higby than the week one Tyler Higby. The Rams are going to spread the football around when you've got Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. You can't help but do that. But I do think they're going to see a lot of Tyler Higby. Uh, certainly, I know it's, you know, this seems sort of obvious to say he's not going to get you three touchdown catches every week, but the targets are going to be there. The routes run are going to be there. And the Rams are going to be difficult to defend because they have so many places to go with the football. But Higby has proven that he and Jared Goff have a connection. Uh, and I do think he's going to be closer to what we saw yesterday than what we saw in week one. All right, Scotty Miller was a popular name across fantasy circles in the waiver wire. And especially once Chris Godwin was ruled out because of a concussion in week one, he looked great. Gave you almost 13 fantasy points. Looked like he and Tom Brady had a nice rapport going on in week two. Sort of a disappearing act, just 3.2 fantasy points. So I pose the question, who is the real Scotty Miller? I think the real Scotty Miller is going to be better when there's a healthy Chris Godwin and a healthy Mike Evans because the defenses are going to hone in on the two of those and kind of open up the opportunity. He was targeted three times and caught two of them for 11 receiving yards. Not so great, right? Three fantasy points. You kind of want more from your wide receivers. But perhaps he's better when, again, like I said, the defense is honed in on both Evans and Godwin, leaving him to work against the opposing team's third best corner. Uh, Miller will get a chance to redeem himself in week three against the Broncos. They've kind of struggled in their secondary, again, riddled with injury. I feel like Scotty Miller could be great, but it really is dependent on Chris Godwin and Mike Evans being healthy or not. 
I would say that the real Scotty Miller is some combinations of week one and two. I think I think he's just going to be volatile all year long when it comes to fantasy scoring. There will be weeks where he does show out and he has big weeks and he has a lot of targets and a lot of catches. There will be other weeks where the focus of the passing game is going to be those two big name guys in Godwin and Evans. And so I think for Scotty Miller, it is going to be kind of an up and down year. I think he's a guy worth on worth having on a lot of fantasy rosters. But it's going to be hard to pinpoint exactly when to start him uh, you know, outside of deep leagues because I just don't think there's going to be any true Scotty Miller game scripts where you look at the matchup and say, you know what, this is the game. I want to make sure he's in my lineup. I just think it's going to be hard to pinpoint. So if you, uh, if you hit on one, congratulations. But I don't know that it's going to be easy to figure out on a week-to-week basis. Hayden Hurst, I was big on him all offseason long. I'm pretty sure people were sick of hearing me say his name leading up to week <laughs> one. And then he flopped. Uh, just under seven fantasy points in the first week in week two, 18.2. Uh, the Falcons had a soul-crushing loss, but Hayden Hurst produced for fantasy managers. Those poor folks in Atlanta, man. I just don't know how they do it. It's, but, like, first, uh, it's, it's so, like first the Super Bowl and then this. Oh, it's what's it's what's happening. Uh, just a soul crusher. But, uh, Kimmy, who is the real Hayden Hurst? The real Hayden Hurst, like Tyler Higby, is a tight end one. This is a true, like, well, the real Slim Shady, please stand up. He has <laughs> he has inserted himself in that offense. Hurst was left wide open down the left side for a 42-yard touchdown in the first half. His eight targets were the third most on the team. I think we're going to continue to see incredible volume. You know, the reason why you hyped him up all offseason is because that offense really does like the tight end position. I think he is poised to have a great season and you have now redeemed yourself and saved your job <laughs> because he didn't flop two weeks in a row. Yeah, you know what? I feel better because like two of my like kind of low round uh, tight end calls had good weeks between Hurst and Mike Gesicki. So I feel a little bit better uh, after sort of swinging and, and missing in week one. I, I think <laughs> What you saw from the Falcons, I think you know, Hayden Hurst is going to have opportunities because of Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones on the outside. And I think yesterday you saw the Cowboys pay a ton of attention to Julio Jones. And so Matt Ryan had to go somewhere else with the football. And it's why guys like Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage potentially have some fantasy value this year because we know that Julio is going to draw that attention. We know Calvin Ridley is going to draw attention. And so with the Falcons throwing the football so much, there are going to be other guys open within the formation. And I think that's what we saw with the tight end position yesterday. Even though the Falcons couldn't get it done offensively, uh, or couldn't get it done, I should say, on the uh, on the stat sheet in the win-loss column, for us, uh, they did some good things. So, uh, you know, somebody who's not a Falcons fan, my condolences to those of you who are, but uh, I certainly <laughs> appreciate the production. Uh, last name, J.K. Dobbins, who had a pretty good week one, just over 14 fantasy points last week. That number uh, cut just about in half, 7.8 fantasy points. Uh, it, it has sort of been, you know, early on, interesting to watch Dobbins in this whole Ravens backfield. But who do you think is the real J.K. Dobbins? I think the real J.K. Dobbins is going to take a seat to Mark Ingram this season. I know that, you know, even on Sunday, ahead of Sunday's matchup on our, our fantasy show, Fantasy Game Day, we talked about, is it going to be Mark Ingram or is it going to be J.K. Dobbins? With Mark Ingram, there's always been a concern over his age, right? Once you kind of get in your 30s as a running back, that's when you can see some regression. And, you know, when you have a young guy like J.K. Dobbins, you want to throw him out there. But the thing that I think is really interesting, and this is why I'm kind of split on this and think he could take a back seat to Mark Ingram is because Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman said, there's no exact science there. It's going to be different every single week. We like to keep people guessing so it'll happen the way that it happens. That's frustrating for us as fantasy managers <laughs> because we want to have some type of clarity of who is actually going to be the RB1 here. Is it going to be Mark Ingram or is it going to be J.K. Dobbins? He said, I'm just going to confuse not only you, but the defenses as well. So I think that there's an opportunity. I think if you have him on your roster, you should absolutely have some moments of shine. But I do think it's kind of going to be a little bit back and forth between the two. Yeah. I mean, basically, you know, people ask, so, uh, you know, which one of these guys is going to be your running back? And Greg Roman said, yes. And it's like, uh, <laughs> it doesn't help us at all. Uh, that helps no that, one. <laughs> that's just right. That, that, that doesn't help anybody. Um, I think Dobbins may be closer to what we saw on Sunday. In week one, he had the 14 points, but he also had two touchdowns because he got a couple of carries inside the five-yard line. I think because the usage rates for pretty much all those backs is going to be scattered all season long, it's going to be hard to sort of pinpoint. Uh, so Dobbins, we saw he had a big play. That definitely helped. 
but I think it's going to take those sorts of big explosive plays for him to be productive fantasy-wise all year long. And I think that may actually be the case with a lot of the Ravens running backs, which sort of hurts my heart because I was big on Mark Ingram coming into this year. I'm not done. I'm not walking away. But I am sort of reevaluating what Mark Ingram can be based on what we've seen from the Ravens in the first two weeks. It's going to be a tough week on the waiver wire. Injuries were the big story of week two Sunday. And just got word of another big one. Broncos receiver Cortland Sutton, according to our own Ian Rappaport, has a torn ACL, which means his season is going to be over. So add another one to the list of what was just a very, very difficult Sunday injury-wise. So that leads us into the waiver wire. It is going to be a lot of fistfights in fantasy leagues over what people are trying to claim on the waiver wire this week. So go through some of the big names that are going to be out there. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, probably going to be top of the list. I mean, between Saquon Barkley, uh, Christian McCaffrey, we know that they're going to be out for an extended period of time. Raheem Mostert left Sunday's game with an injury. Uh, Tevin Coleman also left the 49ers game with an injury. That's just a slew of guys. I would think, Kimmy, Jarek McKinnon is going to be a very popular name this week. I just going to say, he's actually going to be my top priority. Now, though we don't know how serious the Tevin Coleman injury is, we do know that all running backs in that 49er system have potential value, right? McKinnon stole the show against the Jets despite getting 11 fewer carrier, carries excuse me, than Tevin Coleman. He ran for 77 yards and a score and added another 28 yards on top of two receptions. Now, obviously, the workload is going to favor Tevin Coleman when it comes to pickups, but his 14-carry, 12-yard outing leaves a lot to be desired. I, I, I think that, you know, Jarek McKinnick is going to be the number one target. I just, I can't believe that we had so many injuries to a running back position that was already such a fistfight in drafts, right? A lot of guys, this is why we say take your running backs early, take them off it. But then once you have those star players kind of fall off and, and fall out due to injury, that's when you really have to get sneaky on the waiver wire. So there's a lot of different guys that you can target. If you do have, you know, a wire claim first in your league, I think Jarek McKinnon is the guy that you should look. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think he's going to be maybe the most popular name on waiver wires this week. A couple of other running back names to keep in mind. The guys that are ostensibly going to take over for Saquon Barkley in New York, Wayne Gallman and Deion Lewis. Gallman was a healthy scratch on Sunday, but you'd imagine he is going to be back on the active roster come this week when they play the 49ers there at the Meadowlands. Uh, I, I don't necessarily love either of them. I think they're going to be stuck in an unappealing committee, but they are the two guys that are going to step up and probably take the workload now the take ones there. Also, reports that the Giants have brought in Devontae Freeman for a workout. Freeman's still a free agent, so he very well could end up in a Giants uniform, which also throws another wrench into that situation there in New York. A couple of quarterbacks on the list. Gardner Minshew, we talked about him earlier in Minshew Mania and what he is doing down there in Jacksonville. Justin Herbert, Kimmy, was a surprise starter for the Chargers on Sunday. Tyrod Taylor uh, having some chest issues. He was sent to the hospital, and right now he is week to week. But, Jar but Justin Herbert actually looked pretty good in, in week two. And I don't know, maybe there's a quarterback controversy coming for the Chargers now. I know. I, I think there is. Now, first of all, Justin Herbert, you did not need to give me such a heart attack and such a scare. The, the Chargers <laughs> versus the Chiefs, that's always been a really tough matchup and a really tough contest. But I'm like, there is no way that this, this rookie could come in and beat my MVP, Patrick Mahomes, and then we delivered. Uh, Harrison Butker, I love you. That was an incredible field goal that you kicked. But Justin Herbert, I think we can't look past what he did. Now, there were no reports that he was going to be a starting quarterback ahead of that Chiefs game. Tyrod Taylor, during pregames, that's where he had some chest pain, and he was out. And then he stepped up. He delivered 311 passing yards, a touchdown, one interception, but also a rushing touchdown as well. I think that there's going to naturally be a new conversation that if Tyrod Taylor is healthy, what does that mean for Justin Herbert? I think he, he showed himself, he showed his dominance, and he showed that he could lead a team against one of arguably the best teams in the NFL, not only on the offensive side of the ball, but also on the defensive side of the ball. So kudos to you. That was an incredible Sunday performance. Absolutely. And if what we saw from Herbert is any indication, if he ends up as they, is the starter, uh, that's good news for guys like Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, uh, pretty much everybody in that passing game. I love Tyrod. I am a fan of Tyrod, but it's hard to debate uh, that Justin Herbert was a lot better than Tyrod Taylor in week two you know, versus Tyrod in week one. 
I think it's going to be a real point of discussion around the Chargers for the next week or so. We'll see what Tyrod's health is, but Justin Herbert certainly made a claim to get that starting job on Sunday, and it will be interesting to watch. Uh, mentioned Cortland Sutton is out, it looks like, for the rest of the year because of an ACL, so some interesting wide receiver names on the waiver wire. Uh, LaVisca Chenault we talked about down in Jacksonville. A couple of guys in Indianapolis because Paris Campbell also left that game with an injury on Sunday. Zach Paschal, Michael Pittman. Uh, I'm throwing Michael Pittman a little bit in there because, you know, go Trojans. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but I mean, Kimmy, there are some wide receivers out there that I think people are going to have to pay attention to this week because that's another spot that looks like uh, people are going to be needing in week three and beyond. Right. So obviously you're going to mention Michael Pittman, fight on, go Trojans. I don't even know like what you guys, what you guys' things are. I'm a Hawkeye, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, uh, I want to go back to LaVisca Chenault, right? We, we keep talking about, and this is weird. I feel like I'm like on the Jacksonville Jaguars bandwagon, but we need to look at what that offense is doing. I think he had flashes of incredible performances. And if you want to see them spread the ball between DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, and now James Robinson, plus Gardner Minshew, just scrambling all over the field and throwing dimes. He's a player that people should look to target. He's not owned in a lot of leagues. So if you, again, if you have waiver wire priority, LaVisca Chenault should be a name that you should be targeting. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about Chenault is that they are using him in Jacksonville sort of the way he was used in college at the University of Colorado. They're using him as a wide receiver. They've put him in the backfield and just given him straight handoffs like you see right there. Uh, they have used him as a wildcat quarterback and just direct snap the ball to him. So it looks like Jay Gruden is trying as many things as possible to get the ball in Chenault's hands. He's yet to have like a huge game, but just the way they're using him is very encouraging. And as I mentioned, the schedule looks very nice over the next few weeks for the Jaguars offense as a whole. So this is the time to maybe go and stash these guys, use them as streaming options where you can. Uh, and if things pop, then you end up with a pretty good gem sitting there on your roster. Uh, a couple of tight end names, too, on the waiver wire. Jonu Smith, a guy that I've loved certainly all offseason, had two touchdowns on Sunday. But Kimmy, Dalton Schultz. Uh, we were big on Blake Jarwin. I know that was certainly Adam Rank's favorite tight end target in a lot of leagues. He unfortunately went down at the start of the year with an ACL injury of his own. But then on Sunday, Dalton Schultz stepped in, played well, and I think he's a name you have to pay attention to if you need tight end help. 100% he is. And the reason why we were so high on Blake Jarwin is because he was going to be the tight end one in that offense. We saw flashes of opportunity. Now that he's out, obviously Dalton Schultz is the guy. Nine receptions, 88 yards, and a touchdown. And that nail-biting win over the Atlanta Falcons. This is absolutely a guy on the waiver wire that you should be targeting. The tight end position last year was a, a, a dumpster fire. I, I don't even need to gloss over that. It was a dumpster fire. You either had a tight end one and a George Kittle or a Travis Kelsey, or you didn't at all, right? So I think Dalton Schultz is someone who should be targeted. Again, he's getting all the opportunity that Blake Jarwin would have seen. That is why we hype Blake Jarwin so much. And we saw him coming off the boards a lot earlier than some other kind of bigger name guys. So I was impressed with, with that performance and that touchdown to kind of help clinch that win. So we talked about, obviously, Christian McCaffrey suffering an ankle injury that could keep him out four to six weeks. We didn't mention uh, the guys behind him. Is there anybody else in that Panthers backfield, maybe a Mike Davis or somebody like that, that you'd have any interest in? I mean, I think Curtis Samuel's stock goes all the way up, but we also need to take note of Mike Davis. Davis is listed as the Panthers' primary backup to Christian McCaffrey, so the veteran back who had some good moments with the Seahawks a few years ago could be in line to get some of those Christian McCaffrey touches. Again, that's a little bit deeper. We don't exactly know what that production is going to look like. But again, Teddy Bridgewater is is used to you know tucking and giving the ball away to Christian McCaffrey. I don't know if that's drastically going to change an offense that was really built around Christian McCaffrey. So Mike David could have some flashes of opportunity. Opportunity. Yeah, I think the hard part about losing guys like Saquon and CMC is that because they did so much and they did it all so well, uh, you're never going to find just one guy to plug into that backfield and fill and fill that spot. You know, we're going to see two or three guys in New York try to replace Saquon. We're going to see two or three guys in Carolina try to replace Christian McCaffrey for the time being. So uh, the I guess the best strategy is to try and find the guy who is next man up, but understanding that for you fantasy-wise, it is probably going to be a piecemeal effort on the waiver wire or you try to swing a trade somewhere to do a better job of filling that hole. But it is a big loss. Understand, at least it's early in the fantasy season. So as they say, there's a lot of ball game left. So don't completely freak out, but understand that there is going to be a little bit of work to do. 
We don't have a ton of steadfastness when it comes to fantasy football production. I mean, the regular season is short. We are in a time crunch to try and make the playoffs, so we need production from our players, and we need it right away, especially if we spent an early-ish round draft pick on them. So in that vein, time to play a little patience or panic. I got three names here of guys who have underperformed through the first two weeks, and Kimmy and I will figure out whether or not you should stay the course or if it's time to maybe think about making some other arrangements to try and help save your fantasy season. First one on the list is Zach Ertz. And we talked earlier about Carson Wentz, but the Eagles offense has not been great the first couple of weeks. It was certainly nice to see Miles Sanders step in and have a pretty good day, but Zach Ertz has been underwhelming through the first two weeks of the season. So is it time to be patient with Zach Ertz or maybe is it time to panic? I'm hitting the panic button, like hit, 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 help, help, <laughs> help me, help me, help me. Dallas Goddard has officially taken away the work from the star tight end. I'm incredibly concerned, right? We mentioned it earlier. The tight end position can be a little bit of, of a wasteland, right? You go up and you spend high in draft capital to get one of those good guys. Zach Ertz, you know, consensus, he was what? The third, the fourth tight end taken off fantasy boards. This is not the performance that you want to see. I think it's concerning to just look at that Eagles offense overall as a whole, but it's more concerning to see him losing those opportunities to Dallas Goddard. So I've hit the panic button. I'm starting to look elsewhere. We mentioned Schultz, uh, who was a Dallas Cowboy tight end earlier. I think it's going to be time to start looking on the waiver wire. I would agree. And it was sort of the reason I stayed away from Zach Ertz in a lot of drafts. My fear wasn't necessarily that Dallas Goddard was going to blow up, although he certainly did in week one. My fear is that Dallas, Dallas Goddard was going to take enough food off of Zach Ertz's plate that it was going to be hard to count on him on a week-to-week -week basis. And then I think when you add in the issues that the Eagles have had at wide receiver, Alshon Jeffrey was inactive. Jalen Rager is, is a nice rookie. Uh, he did get banged up and had to leave the game at some point. Deshaun Jackson is always going to be a roller coaster from week to week. So that means that defenses are going to spend a lot of energy trying to take Zach Ertz away because he is their most dangerous pass catching weapon. So it's going to be, I think, a frustrating slog for anybody who has Zach Ertz and throw in the fact that Carson Wentz has not looked good. That is only going to exacerbate the problem. So I'm sort of with you. I think there's real concern about Zach Ertz in that Philadelphia passing game. Uh, Joe Mixon, going back to Thursday night, I thought it was a huge smash opportunity for Joe Mixon against the Cleveland Browns. He was just meh. Uh, and the thing you're starting to notice, he's not on the field during third downs. Giovanni Bernard ended up with a touchdown in that game. This is not what I was thinking for Joe Mixon. So patience or panic with the Bengals running back. I'm going to try to not be impulsive and kind of have a moment of patience because if you look at the 2019 season, there's a tale of, of, of two halves, right? Over the first eight games of the season, Mixon only had 75 plus scrimmage yards three different times. But then in the final eight games, he hit that mark seven times. And the only time he finished with less than 100 yards was a week when he had 73 scrimmage yards. He also only had three touchdowns in the first half of the season versus five in the second half of the season. So for me, I'm trying to look at those historical numbers to make an argument that we just need to take a deep breath. He needs to, get, he needs to continue to get comfortable with Joe Burrow running that offense. And then in the latter half of the season, maybe next week is finally the week that he blows up and performs. I want to have some patience here and take a deep breath because I do think this is an offense where he could shine. Okay, so you're, you're convincing me that I should kind of slow my roll on Joe Mixon a little bit. Uh, but I will tell you, next week they've got Philadelphia. And the Eagles, as we've talked about, have had their struggles on both sides of the ball. If I don't see improvement, I'm telling you right now, I'm just going to be in a full-on panic about Joe Mixon. Because especially if the Bengals are giving up a lot of points and a lot of yards, this could mean that they have to throw the football, that they will let Joe Burrow do his thing. And when it comes to being the pass catcher, I wonder whether or not Gio Bernard's going to take a lot of those opportunities. We saw Joe Mixon catch the ball in the first half on Thursday, not much in the second half. So uh, for me, this may be kind of a, a one-week thing for Joe Mixon. This is one more week, and if things don't really turn around or I don't feel like things are improving, uh, it may be time for me to put Joe Mixon on the trade block and see what I can get in return because especially uh, if my team, if I'm in a league and my team maybe started 0-2 or I'm kind of a shaky 1-1, I don't know how much longer I'm going to have the patience to wait for Joe Mixon, especially a guy I spent probably a second or third round pick on. Uh, last one, T.Y. Hilton. We were hoping that maybe things would get better with Phillip Rivers taking over for Jacoby Brissett in that offense, and maybe P. Rib would push the ball downfield. Uh, T.Y. Hilton has been underwhelming in the first two weeks. Patience or panic 
with Mr. Eugene Marquis Hilton. Panic button. Uh, I'm pressing <laughs> it again. I'm panicking. No, many thought that T.Y. Hilton was, would respond in a big way from his two-drop performance in the season opener, but then that just didn't happen. Hilton had three catches for 28 yards on Sunday, dropping a deep ball touchdown in which Philip Rivers placed perfectly. It was a wide open ball right to T.Y. Hilton, and he dropped it. What is going on? He's got like slippery hands. He, he's pulling a he's pulling an Aguilar, right? That's the guy who we we, we heard uh, couldn't even catch a baby. I, I've hit the panic button. You know, there was always a concern: could Philip Rivers throw that deep ball, and who would he do it to? He, he did it. He threw the deep ball and T.Y. Hilton just dropped it and did not perform well. So I think, you know, you were mentioning earlier about placing Joe Mixon on the trade block. T.Y. Hilton may be that guy for me. Yeah, I, I will say this. I'm going to be patient with T.Y. simply because in places where I drafted him, he is a third wide receiver option for me. So I generally are going to I'm going to have two guys ahead of him that I feel better starting on a week to week basis. So in spots where I've got T.Y. Hilton, I can afford to wait a couple of weeks to see him turn around. If, if I were in a situation where he were one of my two primary receivers, I would absolutely be panicking. But in a spot where I can wait and maybe hold him on my bench and see how things improve, I'm willing to be patient, but I certainly understand the fear because it has not worked out well. Philip Rivers downfield has not been great. Uh, he's working a lot of underneath stuff. And you're right, the drops, our, our friend Matt Harmon, who does great work with wide receivers, talks about drops don't really matter. And in the long run, they don't. But uh, when you're talking about a guy who's not getting a whole lot of opportunities to begin with, for him to not hold on to the ones he's getting is a little bit concerning. So uh, I understand the concern. I know I'm in a situation where I can wait. And if you are, great. If not, I understand deciding to make the move and trying to figure out how to help yourself out. There is still one more game left in week two, and it is the first ever game in the NFL played in the city of Las Vegas. The Saints at the Raiders uh, at their new stadium there. They're calling it the Death Star. I don't think Mark Davis has seen Star Wars. Otherwise, <laughs> uh, he would understand that things did not go well for people on the Death Star anytime. Uh, so we'll see whether or not things go better for the Raiders. But let's talk about this Monday night football game as we wrap up the show here, Kimmy. Uh, we've talked about injuries, and they've been such a big part of the first week plus of the season. Michael Thomas has a high ankle sprain that they think will keep him out maybe over the next couple of weeks. We know he's not likely to play tonight. So for you, what does this mean for the rest of the Saints pass catchers? I think this means that we're going to see Emmanuel Sanders go out. He had a touchdown in the very first game that he played as a New Orleans Saints. He's going to go out and do it again. But also huge things for Jarrett Cook and some opportunities for Taysom Hill. Now, we have to remember, though Michael Thomas was Drew Brees' most targeted and reliable player in 2019, we also have to remember that Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees also missed time with injuries last season, and they still went on to win football games, right? I think Michael Thomas being out, obviously it sucks if you are a fantasy manager that have him on your team, but there are still flashes of opportunity for this offense to shine, not only this offense, but the defensive side of the ball as well. I could see them doing some tricky things with Taysom Hill under center, getting him having some receptions, or even throwing the ball with Drew Brees out and, and, and taking some, some sideline time. So I don't know. I think there's good flashes of opportunity. I think Emmanuel Sanders really steps up. He should absolutely be in your in your uh, lineup tonight, as well as Jared Cook. Marcus, I know that you were incredibly hyped about Jared Cook all of this week. Yeah, absolutely. On the Sunday show, I said I see a 20-plus point game performance coming from him. I think he'll be the tight end one when it's all said and done based on how they used him in week one. Also based on how the Raiders have struggled against the tight end position. I'm also with you on Emmanuel Sanders. I've been saying all week, I think he's going to be an excellent flex play. He's going to see more snaps. Week one, he didn't see a lot of snaps, but when he was on the field, it was near the end zone. He had four red zone targets in week one. He had a couple of end zone targets. So I think those opportunities go up with no Michael Thomas. It makes me queasy when you say Taysom Hill because I know he's going to catch a touchdown. And then our Twitter mentions are going to be flooded with people saying, why can't he flag Taysom Hill? Like it's going to happen. Uh, and it's going to frustrate me. <laughs> Taysom um, Hill, it's like, I just, you know, we, we always talk about a utility player. It's like, you cannot, I, I, if you're a defense looking to go up against John Payton and, and the New Orleans Saints, that Taysom Hill little piece of the puzzle is just impossible to solve and figure out. And then it's annoying for us in fantasy football as well. Uh, but Taysom Hill, watch, he's going to go out and have a game and have like every single end zone target. Taysom Hill is like, it's like when you're putting together furniture and you have like one last screw left. You're like, I don't know where this goes, uh, but it goes somewhere. And it's probably going to be really important. That's Taysom Hill. 
Uh, and so, you know, it's hard to sort of figure out there. But for fantasy, look, man, the dude doesn't score enough points for me to actually want him on my team. But he's pretty good for actual football and the New Orleans Saints. On the flip side, Josh Jacobs, a big week one. Three touchdowns for the Raiders against the Carolina Panthers in the season opener. Now he gets his first home game, such as it is, with no fans in the stadium. But uh, what do we expect and how much do we trust Josh Jacobs against a defense that's much better than the one he faced last week? I was going to say, guys, come on. We don't we don't not trust Josh Jacobs. I just think we have a lot of trust in the New Orleans Saints defense. Jacob, who has rushed for over 1,200 rushing yards in his 13 career games, he faces that Saints defense that has not allowed a 100-plus yard rusher in 44 consecutive games. However, again, that week one performance, 25 rushing attempts for 93 yards and three rushing touchdowns. I do not think that's going to happen against the Saints defense. Again, crazier things that could could happen. They have happened. It's 2020. Obviously, every single thing is off of the table. I do think there's going to be renewed spirit, right? They're in Las Vegas. This is the very first NFL game that's ever been played there. And they're going to want to flex their muscles and show, hey, this is a home game and we're going to have a home field advantage. Obviously, Josh Jacobs was taken really high in a lot of fantasy football drafts. So fantasy managers are going to want to see him perform. But again, temper your expectations. Obviously, start Josh Jacobs. But understand, he may not have that three rushing touchdown performance that he had in week one just because the defense is so good. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I do expect the Raiders to try and establish the run, get Josh Jacobs going, see what they can do on the ground. I'm very curious to see if he gets the same number of targets that he did last week. He had four catches in week one. This is a guy who had 20 catches all of last season. So we'll see whether or not the Raiders keep integrating him into the passing game. Uh, it may be very important if they want to get off to a quick start and if they want to get a win against a very good Saints team on Monday Night Football. So hopefully you enjoy that. Hopefully... Week two and the waiver wire treats you better than Sunday did. If you had a lot of injuries, we will see how things go. But obviously, it's going to be stuff that we will monitor all week long as we go along and get toward our next Sunday of the year. In the meantime, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, what makes no sense now will make perfect sense later. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. Wear a mask. And we will see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.